Thank you for having me this weekend. It's a blessing to be back. Let's turn to the 119th Psalm. Psalm 119. We'll read one of these sections, verse 9 through 16. Psalm 119, 9 through 16. I want to speak tonight on the topic you and your Bible. How's that relationship? Now, this weekend I'm not going to do exposition of Scripture. I'm, not, I'm going to pry into your spiritual life. I'm going to hopefully encourage you, challenge you, exhort you, make you think, and for all of us, by God's grace, for us to go away after each message and for, for us to say, how am I in this area and what work does God need to do in my heart in this area? So Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it. According to your word, with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the decrees are all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. You and your Bible. Think about these words by E.W. Tozer. He said the most widespread problem among Christians is retarded spiritual growth, slow growth, weak growth. The cause of slow growth is the failure, he says, to give daily time to cultivating knowing God. The failure to give daily time to cultivating knowing God. The Christian is strong or weak depending on how seriously he or she has cultivated knowing God's presence. Knowing God personally and increasingly, Tozer says, requires a serious life devoted to the priority of progressively cultivating knowing God. Now in relation to cultivating Knowing the Lord, if you or I neglect our Bible and we stay shallow in it, we will not know God more deeply. So this weekend, I want to stir you up and call you to examine where you are. Now, if you're not a Christian here, this message isn't for you because you could go away and say, if I'll just read the Bible more, somehow 
God will accept me or, or I, that'll help me be saved. No. I'm speaking to Christians tonight and I, I want to call you forward and onward to run more steadily, to become more faithful, to gain freshness and reality in some foundations this weekend. I'm not here to give you more information. You all know a lot more than you're living up to now. And you've had far better preaching these decades than I could ever give you. I'm here to call you to fresh reality with your Bible. The essential relational realities in the Christian life. You and your Bible. Because that one leads us to know the Lord. You have a Bible. You have seven days a week. How many days are you really reading the Scriptures? I'm going to pause because I want you to answer the question. Not out loud. Seven days a week. How many days are you really reading the Scriptures? There's a little devotional book. It's an old one. God's Minute. That's, that's what Christians try to do. Have a little talk with Jesus. God's minute. How are you seven days a week and really, without distraction, reading your Bible? There's a chronic disease among professing Christians, Bible shallowness due to Bible negligence. Do you have that problem? Bible shallowness due to Bible negligence. Now let me give you a multiple choice question and I want you to answer it. In relation to your Bible, are you A, consistent? That's daily. B, inconsistent? Not daily. C, rarely? Once a week? Or D, never? Or are you one of those persons who have been blessed with the Bible and you rarely or never read it, and maybe as a Christian, you've never read through the whole Bible? We cannot change ourselves, but here's what the Holy Spirit must work in us. Desire, devotion, discipline, and a reading plan. Desire, devotion, self-discipline, and a reading plan. A place, a time, a surrendered heart, and a prayerful start every day to reading the Bible. Opening God's book to be in the Bible. That it might be in us. That it may, as Colossians 3.16 says what? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That is experiential language. Letting... The word of Christ willing you richly. It was the last sermon I ever heard Bob Jennings preach when he had cancer. He preached that in Denton. If your time alone with the Lord in his word is stagnant, inconsistent, and negligence, don't settle for where you are. Don't stay in your stagnation. Rise up, shake yourself. And let the Lord revive your relationship with your Bible.
Don't settle for where you are. The question is, in relation to your Bible, what do you want? You want mediocrity? What do you desire? If you're in a rut, break out of it. Give your heart again to the priority of reading Scripture. Ask the Holy Spirit to bring life to your regular, simple readings. One word of Scripture any morning, any evening can bring life. The other morning I was reading 2 Corinthians 11, and I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 1, and verse 11 came alive. And it was like I had hardly ever noticed it. And Paul said, I want you to help me with your prayers that the thanks of many will resound because of the benefit of your prayers in our behalf. And it just struck me. Prayer helps people. Prayer. Paul said, I want your prayer, the help of your prayers. Prayer helps the prayer. Prayer helps the one you're praying for. And it resounds in the thanks by many because of the great benefits God gives. And I shared that night at one of our prayer meetings, that verse, and we just had a great time of prayer. So just the regular reading. For, for the Bible to be fresh, for that to be a reality, you must become a person of the Scriptures yourself. Are you? Now, some of you have been saved for decades, but are you still a fresh reader of Scripture where it's life-giving to you? Or are you in a long rut? A Sunday sermon won't get the job done. A weekly Bible study won't do it. Those are meant to feed your soul and equip you to do what? For you to get in the Word of God yourself. About 17 years ago, I saw how inconsistent I was. I lacked desire for consistency. I went to Winnipeg, Canada. It was 20 below zero every day. So I was in the house with Bill McLeod for a week. How about that, Nathan? For a week. And I saw about 15 black Bibles lined up on his desk. And from the time he was 22, he was 80 at the time. From the time he was 22, he read 12 chapters a day and meditated in them. And he had worn all these Bibles out. He probably read the Bible through. Lord, do you know how many times, remember Keith and, and Bill McClellan? Bill had to have read the Bible through 200, 250 times in his life. And so he didn't say a word to me. Not a word needed to be said. Here I was, a shallow little pygmy in, in Bible reading. And I went away. And I said, by God's grace, I'm not going to try to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to ask the Lord for real desire to be birthed in my heart 
And I prayed every day. And you know what happened? I'd read and something good would come out of the pages. And it was like good food. And I'd get fed and I'd get nourished and I'd get ministered to. And the next morning, I'd look forward to reading my Bible. And so that started 17 years ago. And it's been such a joy just to read the Bible as a Christian. That's what I'm talking about tonight. Disciplining yourself. Discipline yourself. You're a teenager. You're a young Christian and a new Christian. This is for you. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. You must pastor yourself. You must take yourself spiritually by the collar and say, grow up and do the first things truly with the Bible. I'm going to read it. I'm going to be in it. You must pastor yourself into the spiritual discipline of daily, quality, private Bible reading. Whether that's 15 minutes to start out or whatever, whatever it is. We must pastor ourselves to become a person whose views are governed by Scripture, whose convictions are shaped by the Bible, whose goals and plans and decisions are controlled by what God says and not by what the culture says. If we are to be mature and fruitful in the faith, to grow, grow, There are no shortcuts. Now you've got to determine this as a Christian. What do you want? What do you desire? You want to stay mediocre? Mediocre, you want to stay in the shallows when there's waters to swim in? So, if, if we don't know the Scriptures, and if we're not grounded in it, we won't benefit the kingdom. And we won't really impact others. We will have shallowness in our spiritual life that will be evident. Leanness, shallowness, no no maturity, no fragrance of God on our lives that's an impact to others around us. Every believer is to be mature, but to be mature, you must know God and grow. And to know God and grow, you've got to spend time with Him. And to spend time with Him, you've got to count the cost. And to, to spend time with Him, you've got to have a place, a time, your Bible, and self-discipline. And it's non-negotiable. This is every Christian's choice. How are you doing with you and your Bible? How's that relationship? Horatius Bonner, the other day, uh, a friend gave me a little hardback Nicely bound, original, 1862 hymnal by Horatius Bonar, Hymns of Faith and Hope. And I was looking at it different mornings, and there's a little hymn in there that says, titled, How We Learn the Truth. How We Learn the Truth. Bonner says, Great truths are dearly bought. Great truths are greatly won. 
He means courageously won. Not found by chance, but grasped by the struggle of the soul, wrung from the troubled spirit, and truth will spring like a harvest from a well-plowed field. Truths dearly bought. It will cost you and I to be deeply rooted in the Bible. Being alone with God instead of being with friends. Spending time alone in the book and not just other books or not sermon videos or hanging out with others. Letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly by getting it into our minds and into our hearts. By holding it in our hands and in our laps and reading it. And stay put. It's, it's still amazing to me. I can start reading and my mind becomes creative. I thought of this and I hadn't done this and I got to do this. And yeah. It's amazing the distractions that try to come to rob us. But listen, chance and casualness and inconsistency and busyness and laziness and complacency won't take you there. Worldly-mindedness, preoccupation with entertainment, half-heartedness, distractedness won't work to get you into God's Word. It will not produce deep maturity in the truth of Scripture. Dawdling in your life. You know what dawdling means? You may know the definition of that. Dawdling. Wasting time, slowness, about being serious, just dawdling along, half-hearted, not serious-minded about the kingdom, no spiritual violence in your heart, no attitude of saying, whatever it takes, I'm going to slay everything that robs me from being in God's Word. I'm not going to be robbed anymore. Because the reality is five years from now, where will you be with your Bible? Will you be farther along? Will you be deeper? Will will you be much further along? It depends on your choices that you make. See, the real fruit of this weekend is what's your life like six months from now. Because the messages will fade I want you to, to turn to Proverbs 2. I want you to notice this serious diligence that is found here in Proverbs 2. This chapter 2 struck me in an amazing way. Proverbs 2 is two things. The first four verses are what God tells anyone to do with His Word. If we become this way, if we live this and practice this, then five through the rest of the chapter is what God promises to do in relation to Scripture in the Bible. Look at verse, verses 1 through 4. Six things the believer is told to do in the first four verses. Just trace them. Number, verse 1, number 1, if you receive His words, that's heart attachment, and not intellectual gaining of information. If you receive His words, 
Secondly, verse 1, and treasure his commandments. That's hard affection. Number three, make your ear attentive, verse 2. So here you're engaged, see? Your mind, your heart, you're giving yourself to the truth. And you're, you're taking it up a notch. You're, giving your, you're making your ear attentive. You're going to listen to what God says when you're reading it. Number four, incline your heart to understand. Verse two. So there you're, you're making your ear attentive as you read. And then you take your heart and your affections and you say, Lord, right here, I'm hearing what you're saying. So I want my heart to get this. Inclining your heart. Fifthly, verse 3. If you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. How many of you pray before you read the Bible and you pray as you read it, asking the Lord to open His Word to you? If you call out and raise your voice. And then sixthly, the last thing, verse 4, you take it up another notch. Verse 4 says, if you seek and search. I had somebody the other day ask me a Bible question, and I said, well, I don't think I was mean. I said, well, go search it out. Find out. You can find out. Get a concordance. Look it up. You discover it. How many of us go from Bible reading, but we don't ever get into seek and search? Linda tells me forever, honey, you don't look hard enough for things. I'll say, have you seen my keys? She says, have you gone, have you looked for them? Well, I thought I laid them on the table. She'll walk back and give them to me. Seek and search. How diligent do you seek and search? 20 years ago, I had questions for Charles Lauder about the Holy Spirit. And I, but I couldn't depend on him. I spent 15 years reading books and looking up verses and, and searching and seeking to hammer out what I hope would be a solid understanding of the Holy Spirit. And it took me years to continue to gain light. And there's still things I'm cloudy on, but... You're wanting to know the truth. You've got to seek and search. You've got to put your heart and your mind in that mode and be serious about it. And it's, it's astounding how much we can be that way in other areas of life and not about spiritual things. So, six things there. If you receive His words, treasure His commandments... Make your ear attentive, incline your heart to understand, call out and cry out for insight, and you seek and search. 
Well, let's just pause. How much is that a part of your Bible approach? Some of us are just half engaged, lazily engaged. Do you ever wake up in the morning and say, I have a treasure. This is the very voice of God. This is the very words of God. And I get to read it today. And the Holy Spirit can teach me. He can feed me. He can encourage me. I want to come and get something. Do we take that approach? Or are we casual about it? If you're a casual Bible reader, take heed and ask God to make you what we just read in those first four verses. Now, verse 5, notice the first word in verse 5. Then, here's transition. And here, God promises for sure some things to the one who seriously does what's in verses 1 through 4. Notice this. God has promised to anyone these things. Verse 5, number 1, you will increase in, the. you'll understand the fear of the Lord and you'll find the knowledge of God. You will begin to increase in fearing God and knowing Him. It'll come. You'll begin to experience it. You will increase in the fear and knowledge of God. Secondly, verses 6 and 7, you'll be given wisdom as a gift. It's not earned. It's not worked up. Wisdom will come to you. The Spirit of God will begin to impart it to you because you're doing the things in verses 1 through 4 He says to do to get it. He's going to start imparting it to you. You'll gain it. It'll come. Number 3, verse 7 He stores up sound wisdom for the upright and He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. I don't know all that that means, but God will come in in new ways to be your defense and your shield and your protection and become real to you to standing strong because you have been doing those things that He says to do in relation to His Word. Fourthly, verse 9, 8 and 9, He will guard your path and watch over your way even every good path. He will guard your path. He'll keep you from going on the wrong path. He'll warn you and He'll direct you into the right path. He'll guard your path and your way. And then number 5, verses 9 through 12, understanding and discretion will deliver you. There's this transformation, supernatural transformation and working of God in the believer's life that takes the word that seriously and amazing things begin to happen. Insight, wisdom, strength, courage, discernment. Receiving His words, you increase in knowing Him. Treasuring His word, you gain wisdom. Being attentive, God will be your shield. Crying out for wisdom, He'll guard your path. Seek and search the Bible, and understanding and wisdom will deliver you. We will not deeply know and love Christ 
if we're not regularly in the Word. To get the Word into us to be transformed. So tonight is about one thing. Further equipping you, stirring you to get real, to get serious about you and your relationship with your Bible. With personal desire for and devotion. Law won't produce this. You can't go away and feel guilty and say, you know, I've got to be better in the Bible. That'll wear off in about a week. It's got to come from the heart. It's got to be within the heart where you cry to God and you ask Him to change this. And you keep praying that way, He will. The other day I read Proverbs 22.3 and I just pictured it in young people's lives. It says this, The wise see danger and hide themselves. But the foolish one goes right on and suffers for it. You ever seen that happen? A young person, a young, don't do that. You shouldn't do that. That's not a good idea. They go right on, leaning to their own understanding, rejecting counsel. When you even quote them the very words of God, Scripture says don't do that. They go right on, and soon, misery and destruction. Years ago, there was a young woman in our church that met a guy younger than her, and they were certain they were to get married. Philip Neely and I met with her, and we met him, talked to him, and later we said, you should not get married. You're not ready. Two months later, they got married. And he went in five years from claiming to believe the sound truths of God's grace and biblical truth. Today, he's an agnostic, denies the Bible, wants nothing to do with the church, and that woman is miserable and heartbroken. And you know what you're tempted to think in your mind? You would never say it, would you? But she's telling herself, they told me so. Wisdom cries out in the streets, and it's all right here. It's all right here. The wise sees danger and hides himself, but the foolish goes right on and suffers for it. Now you go back to Proverbs 1. Here's a Proverbs 1 summary. It's amazing. It starts out, My son, all you young people, Solomon says, Hey, listen. If the bad kids, the gangs, the bad girls, the groups, if they want you to join them, come on, be a part. Don't do it. Run. Flee. You don't have to pray about it. Don't do it. Don't go there because it's going to be evil. It's going to be wickedness. And 
You'll suffer for it. Do not do it. Wisdom is crying out to you. Avoid every bad relationship. Do not make your closest friendships with lost people or people that do wicked stuff because you'll become like them. Thirty apples in a barrel don't make one rotten one healthy. You hang out with bad people, arrogant people, prideful people who love to sin, love to do evil things. A friend of mine told me this week, one of his friends through school, through high school, he never drank, he never smoked, he never cursed. And he got on a train to go to college years ago, and he was with some guys. When he got off the train, he was smoking, cussing, and drinking. And the scripture cries out in Proverbs 1, Oh, simple ones, how long will you remain stupid? Wise up. I warn you, I told you, and you did not choose the fear of the Lord. You didn't want my counsel. You despised my reproof. So guess what? You're going to eat the fruit of your ways. Go ahead. When God gives us wisdom through His Word and we don't know it, or we willfully reject it, He will leave us to our choices of sin and we will suffer for it. The Bible is our lifeline to the Lord Jesus Christ. Every word points to Him. Ignorance of the Bible is ignorance of Christ in areas. Neglect of the Bible is neglecting the Lord Jesus in, in some real way. The Bible read with a converted heart and with, with the guidance of the Holy Spirit will teach us of Him and will impart the presence of His mind and His Spirit to us. Didn't the Lord Jesus view Himself as the key to knowing Scripture? He did. And the scriptures are the key to knowing Him. What happens when you neglect your Bible? Your growth is retarded. It's aborted. Because your Bible is the only source of renewing your mind. It's the only source of spiritual life. You can have an intimate walk with God and love Him and practice His presence and be welcoming and open to the work of the Holy Spirit. But apart from this, you'll drift. Apart from this, you won't think rightly about things. Do you remember when you were converted? You remember the days? 
I was living with a wicked guy in West Texas who did drugs, who loved to drink. And after work, I didn't want to go home. So I went and bought a paperback Bible. I'd go to the park and I'd sit and read it till it was dark. And I read there in Peter's epistles. Don't think it weird when they laugh at you and they they wonder why you won't go party with them anymore. I said, man, this this book's alive. It, it, it just described my experience. And I started reading and I started enjoying it. And I was getting my toe in the ocean. I said, this feels pretty good. There's oceans to swim in. Why are you dabbling in the shallows? Some of us have never moved past the shallows. When I go to the ocean, I don't like waiting out in it. You, you know that feeling? You get out, you know, my, my children, grandchildren, they'll play in it, but I don't know. I'll get out, you know, about this high, and the waves are hitting, and I'll think, I'm heading back in a little bit. Listen, a bottomless ocean, and there's nothing dangerous here. It's only pure delight, words of life, the beauty of God, the promises that are exceeding great and precious. Swim. Do you remember the days when you were first a Christian? The days of your first love. How the Lord was precious. Your sins being forgiven were like a fresh shower. You were just amazed that God could love you and that He had forgiven your sins. It was fresh. It was real. It was amazing. Your heart overflowed with newness and tenderness and you, you could say in your own way what Solomon said, your love is better than wine. Lord, this is better than Budweiser. This is better than partying. Your love is better than wine. Draw me. Lord, you're wonderful. You're beautiful. I remember watching Keith Green sing that song of his, Oh, Lord, you're beautiful. He was in the... He was in the early days of being a Christian. The freshness, even even when he died. First love. The Word of God revives our first love. It brings you back. It brings you back. And it's not about you getting in more information and learning a lot more doctrine. It's about you staying fresh in it. And you asking God, Lord, make it fresh food to my soul every day. Just a word. Just just a precious truth. Just a promise. Just a glimpse of you. Just a nudge toward honesty and repentance. And let my heart feast on your word. The word revives that First love. The Word 
made fresh. Go away tonight and start praying every day. Lord, make your word fresh. Pray it every day with sincerity. And don't stop praying it. That has been the key to any longevity from 17 years ago that I've had. I'll, I'll get dry. It's not inspiring. I'll wake up. I'll get a cup of coffee. I go to my chair. I open the book. And I'll say, Lord, here we are. I come to you again. I come to your word again. I'm starting all over. Feed me today. Speak to my heart. Make it real. I've been reading in Exodus, and I came to Leviticus this week, and I, I felt a dread. Oh, no, Leviticus, <laughs> Numbers, Deuteronomy, the dry parts. And you know what? It doesn't have to be dry. I pray, and I'll say, Lord, give me something here. And it always is, is refreshing. Leviticus this week has just been beneficial. Offerings, this offering, that offering. Stones of remembrance, that type of thing. And so, you bring a fresh heart. You bring a heart that says, Lord, make your word fresh. And God will do the rest. He will honor that. To the soul who seeks Him, He will make Himself known. You and your Bible. Tonight, can you say from your heart, I, I love my Bible. Do you live upon it? Is it renewing your mind? Is it keeping you from sin? How diligent and how often do you read it? If we are not in the Word with regularity and enjoyment, if that's you, tonight, stop. and assess, examine. Be honest with yourself before the Lord. Lord, this, this is how I am in relation to your word. This is where I am. You know, you see me all together. I am shallow. I am inconsistent. I don't have any desire. I know I should. But here's where I am. Stop, assess, be honest and refresh. You refresh your computer. Is that the word? You can refresh your Bible reading. Refresh. Yield. Ask the Lord. Trust Him and cry out every day for the Holy Spirit to make His Word life-giving to you. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Let's pray. You pray right now about what God has said to you. What's He spoken to you? Right now, let's assess. Let's repent. Let's yield. Let's come to Him again in this area.
Father, we know this, this is your will. For the Bible to control and shape our hearts and our lives and for it to be filling our heart richly. So take us where we are, work in us, draw us, quicken us, change us. Let us see what we need to see. Give us what we need. And Lord, transform us more tonight into a believer that has a living, vital, fresh relationship with our Bible. Help us, Lord. In Christ's name, amen.